Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's Extraordinary Etiquette. For Ordinary Cage, it's Loma Dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah? I'm doing good. You enjoying your smoothie over there? You I got am. Thank you for asking. Smoothie. It's full of spinach and kale because I'm a healthy boy. Ugh. Yeah. Teresa uh, only drinks smoothies if they're full of like chocolate and peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's and, my jam. And listen, here's my thing. I'm gonna drink a smoothie. <laughs> then it's like, okay, cool. This isn't a, this isn't your grandfather's milkshake. This is a smoothie, buddy. It's a healthy drink. No, that's, that's sweet. the thing. I want it to taste like a milkshake. Then get a milkshake. <laughs> well, I can't do milk. <laughs> <laughs> Crying and lactose intolerant. Um, listen, listen. Enough of us killing time. Okay. I'm very excited. Yes. For this episode, we have a special guest. Eric Silver is here from Games and Feelings. Eric, hello. How are you? Hi. I've been in your games closet the entire time. Oh, no. Do you see anything good in there? Uh, there's a really weird version of Twister. I'm not going to say oh, yeah. anymore because I feel like that would be doxing you, but I, it's, you. it's yeah. odder than what I've seen before. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's an illegal prototype. Um, <laughs> it, we're actually legally not allowed to discuss it. It was developed in 1986. It was shut down. Yeah, this is a different podcast than what oh, you're yeah. used to, Travis. You're right. It's like not, adding. Um, that's not what there was this like is. a water. Was there like a water element, and then they called it hurricane? There was like, a, even yeah. There was a water element, a fire element, a wind <laughs> element, and an earth element. It's mm. Avatar: The Last Twister. <laughs> ah. Oh, you have it. to air bend your body. I Indeed. understand. Yes. Indeed. So, Eric, uh, tell us a little bit about Games and Feelings. Tell us about the Multitude Podcast Collective. Tell us about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, well, the Multitude Podcast Collective is a uh, collective uh, podcast <laughs> studio and ad sales provider. Uh, it means we make shows ourselves, and we're a group of us who kind of all work together and promote each other about uh, shows, about being enthusiastic about the things that you love, and then sharing them with others. Um, at the same time, we make shows for other people, uh, like we made shows for Sony and for Netflix, uh, which has been a lot of fun. And uh, also, we sell ads for people uh, just kind of a la carte. So people are not, if they don't think the networks are their thing, uh, they can kind of just get that one particular service and we want to help them out. Um, one of the shows on there is Games and Feelings, which is an advice show all about games. Now, it is a comedy advice show, but we do like giving real advice <laughs> that's uh-huh. helpful to okay. others. Yeah, Eric, you are starting to encroach there so on kind some of a, copyright issues. Kind uh, of a mix between Travis's other show and this show. I give real advice, but he does the comedy. Okay, I don't know why we had to phrase it like that. No, I'm just saying that your comedy advice show should never be followed. Yeah, it also uh, should never be described to people who don't (laughs) listen to it, because when you say like, well, we just give bad advice, but it's not like bad advice. It's just not advice, really. But I mean, it's an advice show, and it just gets way too in the weeds. (laughs) Um, But what is is the focus of, of games and feelings? Yes, the big thing about it is that it's an advice show, but it's all about games. So if you have a question about video games, about board games, about D&D and other tabletop RPGs, escape rooms, bar trivia, sports, we will answer your advice questions. I am your question keeper and host. Uh, And then I have my permanent guest, Jasper Cartwright, who is a wonderful guest and also on Three Black Halflings that you might know Mm -hmm. him from. And we also have a revolving uh, group of guests who come through. 
Awesome. So uh, can you tell us about, because one of the big things on your show is about how like gaming and and playing and like humanity intersects. um, And what do you think is that intersection point there? Like how do you see more about humanity through play. Um, you know, they, I, I believe that there's an adage that something like you learn more about a person in an hour of play than a lifetime of conversation or something. I, Alex wrote that down. Man, I wish that was me coming up with that on my own. But how do you <laughs> see that play out uh, in gaming? It was by Anonymous. I saw it on like a like a wall hanging somewhere. And they were like, <laughs> oh, I love that quote. That's great. Um, yeah, I totally think that's true. It's funny that I'm coming on a manner show because – Manners is all about like the construction of society, right? Being able to follow rules that's supposed to like fix all of this kind of interplay between humans because it's complicated, right? By following manners, everyone is on the same page. But I think that when you take one step further and add a like play element where everyone's supposed to be having fun, then people are like, I'm just going to do this for myself. Like all ideas of manners are thrown out the window a little bit because people Mm -hmm. are following uh, are supposed to be following this other thing. Like the pretenses of society are supposed to fall away because we're all just trying to have fun. But then when people aren't having fun and are using games for something else, expressing for evil, all, <laughs> for evil, yes, <laughs> or for like expressing a conflict they have with another person or winning a game is their entire personality. Then we started to run into these other really sticky emotional situations, which is the feeling like the feelings when you're playing a game, the feelings come first because I feel like all of society, these like rules we're supposed to like use that people interact with each other, they fall away. Mm. Well, and I think that's interesting because, like, I, I play a lot of games and not just, like, RPGs and stuff, but I, I love board games and I love table gaming in general. And video games. And video games as well. And I think that it's interesting because there's so many games at this point that stretch so many different kind of genres where you can't always assume that, one, the people you're playing with enjoy the same kind of game as you do. Two, For example, that- I do not like games that involve deceit. Yes. yes. Tracy doesn't do those like, oh, subterfuge, one of us is lying, figure out who it is, makes her wildly uncomfortable. Also, not everybody plays the same way. You know, think about uh, like Munchkin and Catan are mm. great examples of like, how cutthroat am I going to be with this, right? Are you yes. the player in Catan that starts out like, I don't trade with you because you built there. And that's what I was trying to go. So I don't trade with you. I'm going to trade with them so we can beat you together. Can I be honest with you? I am a emotional terrorist when it comes to Catan. I 100% do that all the time. I pretend I'm like Tony Soprano with sheep. Man, I'm usually the person who's like, that. they have eight victory points. Why are you trading with them? Yeah, we all exactly. have four. They have eight. What are you doing? Yeah, until it becomes where he is the one who is the winner. And then he's like, well, but you should trade with me because you like me, right? And I'm nice. (laughs) Why wouldn't you trade with me? And I think that the interesting thing is, like, it kind of, I, I, I think that most games are in some way a role playing game. Yes. Right? Where we all have to, like, agree that we're putting on this mantle of, like, we're all gonna, like, we're all competing. We're all competing. We're all competing. The game is done. And that's over now, mm-hmm. right? And there's also moments where it's just like, ooh, that might have been too cutthroat. I'm going to ease back a little bit. Like right. I'm going to relax sure. my character back a little bit. Yeah, you got to make sure everyone is on the same page. Because if you're not on the same page, then how is everyone supposed to 
have fun together. I think right. there's also an idea of competition that's instilled. I want to say Americans. I don't want to speak for other countries, but I think it's a very American thing of winning is everything. When not even, and I think that like in the way of the nerd has uh, escalated. Like you don't just, this isn't just a play to, this doesn't just apply to sports. It applies to all versions of play now, especially with video games and with board games that these uh, adults who've been, like when we watched um, like Disney Channel original movies all about winning. And right. then now we, apply, now we apply that to the board games that we play. It's like, I just want to make sure everyone's on the same level of how much do I want to win? How important is that to the good time that we're having here? Like we can't moderate that well and that will uh, spill out after we play the game because we're still human when we play and we're still human after the game is done. Yeah, one of the things that I have had to kind of grow out of, or as best I can, I still occasionally backslide into it. But the frustration that sometimes comes when I'm like, yeah, but everybody's not playing right, right? Yeah. And it's like, that's especially when I'm at an event or at like a party and there's a game going on and everybody's kind of maybe 70% focused on the game. And I'm like, but everybody's turn is taking too long. Nobody's paying attention. You're not on their team. Why are you helping? And it's that thing of like, hey, man, let go of that. Everyone's having a good time. People will not have a good time if you start to strictly enforce every rule and snap at people to focus up and stuff like that. You have to kind of read the room of what the event is versus like a game, like say you're playing poker with friends and it's six people and five of them are really dialed in and the sixth person is kind of not paying attention and keeps like delaying the game, then it's time to say like, hey, let's focus up because everybody else wants to play this way. Absolutely. I think it's on the, it's on usually the person who's standing out to look at themselves and being like, what's the vibe here? Yes. <laughs> and we're, cause like it, I think it has to do with the majority rule. Like, Games, I think, are used as just a way for all of us to get together, um, whether it's I'm doing something on myself, I'm doing something on my own, and then I'm playing, and then I'm sharing that with others, like a uh, single-player video game, or mm -hmm. an excuse to get people together, uh, whether you're playing a Dungeons & Dragons night or you're having a board game, uh, and then also having something fun at a gathering already, like what you said about uh, uh, lawn games and, and beer pong and other stuff like that. But it's like, it's all just an excuse for all of us to do something instead of like, look at each other in the eyes and talk. We don't want to do that all the time, no. but there's nothing wrong with that because playing games is really fun. And ultimately, it's just a good way for us to use our time here on the earth. But being humans and bumping into each other, both physically and metaphorically, is that's when we start to have issues and we got to resolve this stuff. I tell you, what's really been a crash course for me in letting go of the concept of, but you're not playing right, is having kids. Because mm -hmm. um, when you sit down to play the Frozen board game with like a four-year-old <laughs> kid, and like they're constantly being like, well, but I can do that. Well, I don't want to move back, but I want to be on blue. And you're looking at them and you think, if I try to enforce the rules right now, it's going to mm -hmm. go so bad. And my kid is having fun and not screaming for the last half hour. So yeah, but yeah, you want to be on purple now? You're on purple. Go for it, man. So <laughs> you want to spin twice in a row, three times? Yeah, yeah, go for it. The big problem is that uh, all the people on board Game Geek say that Olaf is too OP, and they really have to fix. I get that. that. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the board flip—it's a whole thing. Um. So back to my questions. Uh. So if you had other careers, uh, besides this one, like what what kind of led you into this? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, for a long time, I was a summer camp counselor. Uh, I went to the mm. same summer camp for like 13 years as a camper. And then I was a summer camp counselor for five, uh, for like 15 and 16 year olds. And wow, then, that is tough. That's yeah, tough. I honestly like teens. I get it's mm-hmm. kids. I'm less good at like you know our summer camp was seven eight seven eight nine all the way up to fifteen and sixteen, um, which I guess is older. I'm real. I after I talk to people, I realize it's a little bit older. Like the sixteen year olds were like CITs almost, but still a camper. There was like a lot of like you know summer camp weird lore involved in that, as you okay. might know from long time summer camps. Um, but you know it's a lot of like just coming up with games for other people and making sure they're having a good time, um, which also kind of aligns. I was a high school English teacher for a little bit there. Okay. Um, I got like my master's right out of college and I started working in like all the way out in South Brooklyn. And I did that for a year and I stopped doing it because there was a grade fixing scandal at my high school, <gasps> which Get really disillusioned town. me. Hey, Eric, were yeah. you part of it? What'd you <laughs> no, do? I was 23 and oh, okay. didn't really understand what the teacher's union was for. I now understand what the teacher's union was for. Um, so no, I wish I, I, I don't wish that I was because it was basically they were just graduating kids who like came in for summer school and just kind of passed them to raise the graduation rates. And I got wow. kind of disillusioned with the whole situation. But the whole thing is like when you're setting up a game and stuff stuff that I do also as a dungeon master and the dungeon master of a show on Multitude called Join the Party is also like you're setting up a game for someone else and you want everyone else to have a good time. And then at the end, you want them to turn to you and said, you did a really good job setting this up and allowing us to have fun. Like yep. there is a certain like amount of a service position involved in like helping others have fun through play. Um, whether you're the one setting it up or inventing the board game or coming up with like the tabletop RPG, which I do a little bit as a game designer and or running a podcast, like, you know, constructing a podcast, giving it the framing, asking the questions or running a game that's going to be turned into content, um, which I also do on another show at Multitude um, where like I run a game show. With uh, Adel Rafai, uh, where he gets to pretend sure. to be a multi-billionaire and ask people what their favorite things are. And we do like a big uh, like Taskmaster-style game show for that. Uh, all of that just comes together and says, like, you know, just as much as you like as people like being the person who is the player, whether like the one having the fun or getting to be the actor or, uh, you know, the PC in Dungeons & Dragons terms. There's also like a lot of fun and like excitement and edification that I get from being the one who presents that and makes it for other people. Okay, so let's get to uh, some like specific, uh, you know, etiquette rules for, for gaming. Sure. First off, I just said specific, and now I'm going to use the word general. General <laughs> rules for like establishing a good baseline for like setting up games in general for people. Like what are some good, in your opinion, like general etiquette of like, let's make sure this game night goes well. Yeah, I think the two things are one, make sure everyone is on the same page, and two, remind everyone we're all here to have fun. Those are the two things. I mean, we literally just talked about this in the beginning is like if everyone doesn't know how into games to be, then everyone's like levels are all over the place, and then no one's gonna have a good time. Like, are we going to just, like, casually have a board game out while we're doing something else? Are mm-hmm. we really going to be dialed in and playing, like, eight hours of Twilight Imperium? Are we all going to be cutthroat about it? Those are all the things that we that you need to know. And I think you can ask that, like, 
beforehand in a tech group text message thread. Like this isn't like session zero in Dungeons and Dragons where you have to sit people down and be like, all right, so what are our lines and veils? Right. <laughs> what are things we don't Unless use? you're playing an RPG session, at which point then yes, extremely please. do that. But like in board games or going out to a going out to bar trivia or going to escape room, I think you can kind of like get everyone's temperature and make sure everyone is on the same page. Because like even then, like everyone doesn't need to be at the same place. But I think yeah. the person who is uh like the odd person out then needs to be okay with how everything shakes out a little more while also accommodating that everyone's not the same. So it's like if someone's super into games, you'd be like, Steve, fucking turn it down two notches. That's not what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, I think that this aligns pretty well with the idea of like the host duties, right? Yes, exactly. Is to make sure that everybody in, you know, in the gathering or whatever has a good idea of how the evening is going to go. So mm-hmm. like... When you tell people that you're having a game night, if you talk about and we'll order pizza or and we can also watch Ted Lasso or whatever it is, right, gives you a kind of clue as to how long you're going to be there and how kind of like dialed into the game atmosphere you're going to be. I would also say that a a safety tool you can use in general board game. Uh, nights is the like as the host be like hey let's all I think it's time for a bathroom break or like let me grab some more stacks let's take a quick break so if things start to feel uh, I don't want to say contentious but it starts to feel like oh you know maybe everyone's just starting to grate a little bit because this person is clearly taking it more seriously than this or whatever call for a break and then have a conversation on the side right don't try to have a conversation with somebody right in front of everybody else or whatever and be like hey i know that you're super into games i get that i think we need to like bring it down a little bit because i think this is more of a chill kind of thing and have that off to the side hopefully we can get there before that happens like yeah when you have to kindly t- tell someone to change their behavior like then we're at like oh this person it's going to be really hard for this person to continue to have fun Teresa, right. i want to touch on something you just said which i think is really important of like the responsibility of the host is not just like, hey, everyone, get along, please. It's like, you got to set the tone. And I think mm-hmm. that's super important is like whether you're that's that's super important. Like, no, we're going to be doing this. If you want to do it, we're going to do this other thing at a different time. We're going to go play paintball tomorrow. <laughs> but today <laughs> we're going to play. Shoot, we're going to play shoots of the ladders and watch Hocus Pocus at the same time. Right. Let's uh, hear a word from some other Max Fun shows, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hello, I'm Lori Kilmerton. We do a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show, and you could listen to it anytime you want it because there's hundreds of episodes. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing comedy forever, and we should both quit. So why don't you listen out (laughs) before we leave this not only terrible business, but this awful world. And find out why we can't. Because we love it so. (laughs) Jackie and Lori Show. Every week here on MaximumFun.org. I'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more about what we consume, whether it's our food, our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to big Star Trek and says no. 
we can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The Greatest Generation, the show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek. And the groins of different costumes. Reviewing every episode in order. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek industrial complex that they can't control your mind. Um, so I want to talk now about bar trivia because this Hell is yeah. something I love doing bar trivia. Um, we don't get to do it as much now because kids, because kids. <laughs> but man, when oh, Teresa you don't and I need it. Someone you don't need someone who doesn't know the rules of the Frozen board game on your bar <laughs> trivia team. Man, once they're old enough, I'm bringing them in because they're going to give me all of the like what are uh, Gen Z, whatever they are now. I think our kids are Gen Alpha. That the way they act. Ugh. No, our kids are very wonderful. They're the ones who've recently um, been in a social studies classroom. They might actually know all these geography questions no one can get. Oh, man. But we used to go, when we lived in LA, for like a solid year, there was this uh, bar like three blocks away from us that we went to just about once a week to do bar trivia with our friend Tybee. And like it it was geeks who drank trivia, so it was like Uh, super good. I loved it. Uh, so let's do bar trivia. Do you have any advice on team names? How do you pick a good team name? Um, one, I'm gonna, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go off like the same thing that you would bring to making fun of your friends is like as long as it's funny, I think it flies. But mm. it sure does need to be funny. Like if you say if you are even pushing it and you're gonna have a really long name or it's gonna be something that like from a piece of news that happened very recently that's mildly tragic. If it's not funny, you are in a problem because that bartender is gonna have to or whoever is running the bar trivia is gonna have to say it every single time and they're gonna like have a disgusting look on their on your face so as long as it's funny i think it flies i think that punny and pithy also are included in that i don't i think that you know if you've got something that's really like like you know like a cute in a smart way kind of tongue-in-cheek name i think that's great too i would also i would push everyone to if uh all else fails Never try to be like, I'm going to come up with a perfect name. It's going to have the whole bar in stitches or whatever. If it's something you and your friends like smirk at and you're like, I like that. Go. Don't overthink it. It's fine. Agreed. I think that like, Teresa, I am not good at knowing if my pun is actually good. So it's like, I can figure out if something's funny. I cannot figure out if my if my bar trivia pun is good enough. I think that like, also, since we're all podcasters here, and I think we can be honest with ourselves, like, I don't think there's any reason, much like making your podcast name have the word pod in it and need to reference and make a joke that this is, in fact, a podcast. I don't think your bar trivia name necessarily needs to be a pun of bar trivia or like drinking i think it should just be a funny pun or a funny reference or whatever for example my trivia team that i was on with my friends i also did a lot of bar trivia in in new york city for a long time we were anderson cooper presents the mole and that's just enough it's just enough to to say something to put that out there and to uh like have the reference stand on its own so I think that like just yes, making a joke with your friends, maybe about something topical, or if you can change your your team name up depending on what the particular um, like bar trivia theme is. I think that's that might be better than having like the same one every single time and becoming mm-hmm. those guys at bar trivia. One of my uh, go to, whether it be bar trivia or escape room, I like to tell 
real quick before anyone else can answer, say Travis and Friends. And it's always so funny to me that that's the name. And especially great. I've done it before where I was with one other person. And I've still been like, it's Travis and Friends. And they're like, okay. And they write it down. And it's funny to me every single time. <laughs> I'm sure it is funny to you, Travis. Yeah. For sure. It's great. Yeah. Hey, it, it cracks me up. Uh, Eric, what are some good indicators that like you found a good bar with like for bar trivia? Ooh, that's interesting. Honestly, I don't want you to go to a bar that has good bar trivia. I think you got to go to a good bar first, and then if they mm. have trivia there, find it. Like, unless your friend is like, oh, my God, I go to this bar trivia thing. Because it, it really is a chicken and the egg situation. Like, does the good bar have good bar trivia, or does the bar trivia then say, then show, oh, this bar is good because they have, mm. like, a good events program? But then again, if, like, I still have to go there and – like a beer shot combo is like $14. I don't necessarily want to go to that bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, get a recommendation from your friend. Or if you find out, try the bar trivia at a bar you already like, and then see what it is. Cause like, you know, there's, uh, there's like the top 1% is like this bar trivia is so good. I'm going to go to this place, but everywhere yeah. else is just kind of serviceable. Like you're just going to do a thing with your friends while also like, getting the uh, margarita that you need on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? Now, I will say this, because I have two indicators of like, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this, okay. which is noise level, because sometimes you end up with bar trivia where it's like, yeah, man, one third of the bar is here for bar trivia and the other two thirds don't care. So they're sure. having like full blown conversations and like playing music and stuff, and you can't hear anything anyone's talking about. Playing music, I think, is a real problem. It's like, come on, at least let the person who's doing the events do their thing. Yes. And the other one is multiple, like separate locations where it's just like, oh, yeah. So I'm in here with the microphone, and this room and that room and the outside deck are all playing Bartro. And it's like, there's no way all of us are going to understand everything that you say. There's going to be so much repeating and so much confusion. It all needs to be in a good room where you can see the host and hear the host. Now, these days, as I understand it, there are bar trivia apps mm -hmm. that make that Ooh. a lot better, actually. Yeah, we've played one of those before. It pops up on your phone. Where you can you go on the phone and you can see the question and you can see all the answers and you select. You don't even need pen and paper. You don't have to worry about spelling or anything unless it's a mm. fill-in. Sometimes they do that too. But like, I think that if you're going to have different locations at your favorite bar or whatever, you can play from any seat because you don't have to hear or see something in a central location. Yeah, I think... Honestly, that would take away both like my favorite thing and least favorite thing about bar trivia mm. is that everyone knowing I can't spell. Uh, oh. it, really, it really is dangerous. Um, but I think that I would also solve one of the biggest problems I would have with bar trivia is bad microphone. Um, yes. Which again is like, again, if you're going to have an events program at your bar, give them a good microphone. Give give that have a, a decent speaker at least. So maybe that would fix that too. But then again, like I'd rather go to a good bar that had bar mm -hmm. trivia than anything than anything else. Cuz again, you're adding a fun element to a thing you're already doing, which is hanging out with your friends, going to a place that where someone will make alcohol for you, which is pretty yes. cool. I have this anxiety about and it's not just in bar trivia, but it is exemplified here where it's like 
how do I turn in my answer? I'm always so worried I'll walk up with a piece of paper and they'll look at me and I'll suddenly feel like a tiny Victorian child, like, I'm in the wrong place, I'm so sorry, sorry, girl. And they're like, no, we'll come around and collect it. And I'm like, oh, okay, oh, sorry. Please, oh, no. sir, how do you spell Baleen? I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> Wait, how do you spell Baleen? Okay, I, we won't I think there's multiple E's. I don't know, I need autocorrect. Uh, what are your feelings about trash talk when it comes to bar trivia? All right. How often do you go to a place, and I'm talking to all the people listening to a podcast who probably has some level of social anxiety, how often will you go to like a place where you don't know strangers and you'll talk to them? Or where you don't know anyone, you only know strangers, how often will you talk to them? It's probably uh, low, right? <laughs> I think you need to suss out if you are those people at bar trivia, if you've been going that much. And usually those people really make themselves stand out. They always win. There's also some suspicion that they're che- that you're cheating uh, because mm-hmm. they have a computer or they have a phone out quite a lot. Um, and I think that that's, that is like, you can tra- trash toss those guys because yeah. people already don't like them <laughs> because they, they are the villains of this bar trivia. If you're just doing it to other people that don't necessarily want to do it, I, th- I would really hold myself back. I don't know if it's just like a post-COVID thing, but it's like, you know, I don't, I don't trust all people <laughs> in public yeah. all of the time. I don't know what your reaction is going to be, random stranger. So it's like, you know, I'd rather like dunk on my friend for not knowing how to spell Baleen more than trash talking just a random person who isn't like the obvious villain of bar trivia. So do you have any personal bar trivia strategies that Ooh. you could share with us? I feel like when when I play with Travis, um, uh, Travis often takes the reins uh, unless there's it. a very specific question that he doesn't know and thinks that someone else in the group does know, because then he's open to suggestion. But uh, if he knows it, he, uh, he's the one, he's going to write it down. Don't make me sound like a butthole, though. I'm cool you're, about it. You're not. You like to win. I mean, the name of your tri- trivia team is already Travis and Friends. So that just totally, there that makes go. sense. Um, I think that there should be a person whose job it is to write things down. I don't know if that person should be the quote-unquote bar trivia smartest person. Um, I think that it might, it's easier to have that sort of back and forth. For example, that person I know is Julia. Uh, Julia is an incredible bar trivia player and knows so many things about so many things. Uh, so I like being the one who reads things out, um, because I have like that teacher quality in me. I don't have the best handwriting. So sometimes I would give that to my wife, Amanda, who might do that as well. Cause she has very good handwriting, um, just to kind of spread it out and give like the person who's thinking about stuff should have their mind open. The, the other thing is make sure to, to bring a group of people who know different things. You need one person who knows about sports. You yes, need you, do. you need one person yes, you to know about music and movie history. You need one person who knows about European geography. If you don't have those people, you are probably going to be sunk at your bar trivia night if it's not like particularly themed i also i am a big fan of like no one could think of anything but our gut reaction was peru so we're gonna put down peru like that kind of thing right because after a while if no one knows the answer right and you were like talking about it for like five minutes you'll talk yourself in circles right but if it's like none of us actually know it 
right? But you said Venezuela, and I thought Venezuela. You know, you said cockatoo, and I also said cockatoo. So let's just put cockatoo and not worry about it, right? Yeah. Instead of like trying to talk ourselves into a. Is a, the answer a Venezuela or cockatoo? Because I feel like those are two different questions. Those were supposed to be different <laughs> examples, but it's confusing because I said Peru and then Venezuela and cockatoo. I, I know. Like, right? What is this quiz? I don't know what this quiz is. I about. don't either. It's tough. Obviously, it's tough. I thought cockatoo was a country. <laughs> what is the strangest zoo you've ever been to? Yeah, that's there the question. Is. Yeah. That's oh, it. well, there's, there's Venezuela there. I got to go. I think that we are running into, though, the like feelings portion of what we're talking about. And I think the, the manners area is like there because everyone's here to have fun. Even if, if you're the person who thinks they know stuff or is the most has their like emotional state tied up with winning the most of bar trivia you gotta let everyone contribute mm -hmm. especially if it's some if it's especially if it's something that everyone doesn't know about you should not necessarily be the person who writes it down and has the gut feeling if anyone knows something you should write you should try to get everyone's stuff involved and i think it's help helpful to pass on those questions and come back get all the ones down that people think that they know and then like you can distribute the guessing around with the group of people to make sure everyone is having a good time especially if uh like someone's visiting or like they bought a friend or something and it's like they, we haven't played with them before if they say oh i think it's this don't grill them on it right like okay you think okay great and then write that down and if it's wrong don't give them a hard time it's like oh man ah okay we got this we got it right exactly. all of that is how you stay in it and like keep having a fun time because the way to really win bar trivia is oh for everyone it, what to is have it fun everyone to have fun and mm -hmm. to cheat um, well, so I, moving on to a different type of game, sure. um, the have fun aspect brings me to escape rooms. Yes. Uh, we did a show about escape rooms and like the thing that we really came to really point out is that you have to find a way to buy into the process, right? For sure. We know that we are not going to be in this room forever if we don't figure it out, but <laughs> We have to we have to play with each other and like come to an agreement that this is what we're doing, right? Um, one of the things that I think is is more often than not, people who go to escape rooms, they end up being very much into it. So, yeah. how do you give? Do you have any guidance for how players can search for clues without like? destroying property <laughs> or Question. or breaking the game yeah this can go in a bunch of different directions i think i'll start with a story is that um i am very much the games person around uh a lot of people like i like thinking about games i think that i've i was very competitive i'm a twin brother i am i'm a twin and me and my twin brother spent a lot of time playing games together and i had like a really really like, nasty competitive streak with me and i think i eased off by being a games master but it definitely comes out when I'm feeling bad or when I feel like I'm push, pushed in a corner. So I went out to a um, uh, bachelor party um, in Montreal and uh, I was there with a bunch of like friends from high school and like his friends. And the whole time I felt like everyone saw me as like a hipster doofus because like mm -hmm. I lived in Brooklyn and everyone else lived in like Manhattan or like a different city. And I felt that way the entire time. And I just kind of felt isolated. And then at this at this point, we went into an escape room. And I did the escape room pretty much by myself because no one else could figure it out. It was like Jurassic Park themed. And I'm 
like, Ooh. oh, that pterodactyl is doing Morse code. And then someone was like, how do you know? I'm like, they're always doing Morse code. If they can't speak, they're just be doing Morse code. If you've ever seen a pterodactyl, you'd know. <laughs> it's it's like, of course, it's Morse code. And like putting puzzles together. And I was being a real jerk about it. I was like, let's go. Let's do it. Like, I got it. Everyone keep up with me. I'm doing it. And at the end, I'm like. I definitely expressed some feelings here while I was doing <laughs> yep. this. I was working through some stuff. So I think that uh, here's something. If you're not really into escape rooms, you should definitely let the people who are do their thing. Because they escape rooms are very specific because it's like you get to go to a place where someone has assembled a puzzle for you. And then you get to act it out in real life. And you're you're it's like a special place that's only for like capital G gamers. Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that person also needs to ease off and allow everyone to have fun. But I think that also like knowing I'm just here because I like enjoying time with my friends is also enough. Here is a pro tip, though, for people who are not games, people that are in a uh, who are in an escape room. Remember, they're made by people. If you remember a person made them, like the thing I Mm -hmm. said about uh, Morse code pterodactyl, if there's, for example, a beeping sound or a something that can't communicate. A person who makes games would then try to com- make you understand a language that doesn't involve so- sound or words, and then you can be like, oh, that's Morse code. Like, remember mm-hmm. a person w- it has made this? So if you're going to break something... Uh, you should not break it because they did. They probably would have made it easy enough for you to understand and find a different thing. Like if you're going to break something, I'm like, oh, a person w- who works at an escape room would not have wanted me to break this. I, I've done uh, many, many, many escape rooms in yeah. my life. And one of the things, it's kind of like a session zero where if I'm doing it with like a new group, yeah. I'll ask them like, how many of you have done escape rooms before? Like, what has your experience been like with them? Like, what? I, because I do think it's worthwhile to have a kind of captain in the escape room, mm-hmm. not someone who's ordering everyone around, but somebody from time to time who's like, okay, what what keys do we have that we haven't put with stuff yet? What are we still working on? What? How's it going with that? Do we need to switch? Like, that kind of thing, I think, is very helpful. Sure. Uh, but the thing that I always tell people who have never done escape rooms before is like, if something seems like something, it is. Right. Right. Exactly. If you're like, I walk in, huh, the bookcase has books that are all green or blue or red. It's like, okay, that's something. Right. Yeah. We're going to figure something out with this guy because it's weird. Right. It or has like, to oh, be you there. open a closet door and there's a big blank white wall inside. Look for a black light. Because there's something written on that one. Yes, exactly. Travis, you hit on another thing. It's like, yeah, if nothing's written here, but there's a lot of it, you probably need a black light to fix you need it. A black Once light. you realize those <laughs> That's things. Like, as soon as anyone finds a black light, it's like, okay, great. Now we're cooking. Everybody start shining it on the walls. Let's go, guys. Are you a divide and conquer kind of uh, escape room leader? Or do you like to have everybody work collaboratively on each task? I think divide and conquer allows people to enjoy themselves. Um, I also don't necessarily want to make myself the captain. I think that, like, that might feed into the bad feelings that some people might have that, like, I'm the person who's going to put this on other people. So it's like, put that Mm. on the host of the escape room. Like, let them... So that it's not like Travis's responsibility to make sure everyone's having a good time. The escape room needs to do the escape room, right? And then so that the pressure and the preconceived notions of who is good at games and who's not can kind of ebb away a little bit if everyone's allowed to do their own thing. 
Um, so I try, I don't listen, I'm saying that story at the bachelor party cause I don't want to be like that. And I really, ah. I'm just like, we're going to lose. I'm like, I, we're going to lose. I'm just going to do all of this. And I was working some feelings out. I didn't like how I, how I acted there. Um, so I think that like letting everyone like figure something out, even if it takes a long time, if you want to speed run an escape room, if you have a crew who goes in, it's you and two friends who beats escape rooms in 15 minutes, do that. But escape rooms are great for group for group activities or for dates if you want to see if you want to like have a fun thing that everyone can participate at. Oh, that's see, the, I thought you were going to say I like to do escape rooms. Right. I want to get in and out as fast as possible. There is there's only the win for escape room for me because I know I'm going to get out. Right. It's not sure. There's the the kind of fantasy of we have to solve the mystery doesn't do it for me. I need to have some like layered of and we are going to do it faster than anybody ever has. Yeah. Sydney is the same way. We've done it with Sydney, and our, my sister-in-law, Sydney, is the exact same. Like, we're setting the record or, or nothing. And we're right. like, okay. But then if, if we're not – but if we're setting the record, I don't want to bring my friend who doesn't really like games. And yeah, that's where exactly. I'm saying is, like, setting those boundaries. It's like, if you're going to try to get someone who to start liking escape rooms, you just need to be okay with getting a dub and not trying to write down your number. And like, it's about holding the sign that says we did it together with someone <laughs> yes. who you have. Like, oh, my God, I finally got my mom to do an escape room with me. That's great. And I think that that's about, like, figuring out expectations in the car and then, like, throwing it over to the escape room itself to do its thing instead of needing to, like, moderate that as a person because then you are making yourself responsible for other people's feelings and then you're in a really tricky situation. We, uh, I, one time at Gen Con... Adel and I, Adel has also done a lot of escape rooms. Yes. And I've done a lot with Adel. Adel and I did an escape room with a bunch of other people, but it was uh, themed after uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm -hmm. And we were divided by this like plexiglass wall of like contaminated and not contaminated. And Adel and I were ones on one side and everyone else was on the other. And it worked out perfectly because it let Adel and I do our full blown, like I'm deep into this and we're setting this record thing while everyone else was over there doing their own escape room. And it worked out very well for us. Yeah. And then unfortunately you had to shoot Adel because he was- Yeah, I did have, well, I, I burned him first to check. And <laughs> just, then to, just to check, uh, yeah. One last question before we wrap up. What is in your gaming closet? Like what is your uh, favorite game currently? What are you into right now? Oh, this is a really good question in terms of, in terms of like board games and stuff. Yes. I have a few different things that I've, I've been thinking about. Um, at my wedding that, uh, last last October, we had a lot of like oversized lawn games, uh, which mm. was really fun to have at our wedding, which we kind of just like had at a farm. Um, so we had like oversized Jenga and like kind of like a skee ball sort of thing. And I really, really want to shout out to lawn games of all shapes and sizes, whether we're talking about cornhole or that one where you got to like fling the bole onto like that the ladder ball. thing. You yeah. love that one. Travis loves that one. All lawn games, all lawn games are truly wonderful. Um, uh, in terms of board games, Betrayal on the House of the Hill is truly the best modern board game out there. I think playing it multiple times with people who know how to play it is really wonderful. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Sentinels of the Multiverse by Greater Than Games, uh, which is like it's it's like a fixed card game. 
where each card correspond each card deck corresponds to what a superhero would do and the whole mm. premise and then you, it's a cooperative game so you get to play with like 3 to 5 players against a villain deck and an environmental deck and the whole premise of the of the board game is that there was a third comic books publisher called Sentinel Comics and the board game is based on a, all of their comics from the comic book publisher oh, it's so deep the art is so wonderful i've those those folks are just so so talented and in terms of board games that you should play with others that you can just pick up and play, I want to give a shout out to Blockus, which is kind of like reverse Tetris. If uh, you know, hopefully that will grab you and just go go buy Blockus or Quix, uh, which is a, a a dice game that is from Game Right, which is a really wonderful uh, game board game studio where you can just like play with friends and just throw that down. We got we have, one of our friends showed it showed it to us and we got super addicted really fast. And it's like it's like a modified version of Yahtzee. It's very very interesting. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll say this too. As long as we're talking about games, you can pick up and play with anyone. Hughes and uh, Hughes and Clues is that Hughes and Cues, mm. where basically it's a board that looks like uh, you know the gradient of paint swatches from like Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. Sure. And the cue giver says one word, like might say cactus, and then everyone tries to guess which color on the board they're describing. Oh, that's and cool. they put their pieces down, and then round two. The key giver can give a two-word clue to help them hone in on it, and then it's scored by like who's closest and everything like that. It takes like no strategy. There's no like pre-planning. It's just what cards you draw and how you describe colors. Anyone can play it. We've played it with our six-year-old. Hell yeah! Anyone can play it. I love that. Especially that's like a good modification of like the. Uh, cards against humanity system of one mm-hmm. person does something and everyone else tries to do the thing they want. Like, I'm glad that we find that like board games have gotten past, like say the grossest thing in using yes, that, that card, that card game strategy uh, or that card game design. Well, Eric, before we let you go, where can we find games and feelings? Games and feelings. You can find wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you know, we're, we're out here. Shout out to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Pocket Casts, wherever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I also the other shows that I do um, join the party and tell me about it. I hope you enjoy that. I do have one manners question I have for the both of you because okay. I did have one that I wasn't sure about talking about when I I wasn't sure what to do when I came to this uh, portion, the plugs portion. Um, so recently I decided that as a DM, I was going to have a full heel turn. Like in wrestling, I was going to go from a good guy to a bad guy. And I did mm-hmm. that to my players. I even bought like, here I'm show- I have like a sparkly glove here that I wear to intimidate my players to make them understand that like I'm now a bad a bad DM and I'm going to ruin their or a good DM and a good terrible DM and I'm going to like yes. ruin their problems and make them cry all the time. And one thing that I've been doing uh and saying when I go on shows is that I am uh, the best DM in podcasting. Now, okay. I am coming onto this show where there is another DM in podcasting and I wasn't sure if I should say I'm the best DM in podcasting on this show, which I haven't said yet. It is currently just in the framing of this question. No, go for it. I still have a lot to learn. I wouldn't say I'm the best DM in podcasting. <laughs> I just didn't know what the manners were. I didn't know what... what uh... No, it's fine. Go for it. Okay. Well, if if they, if you say so, yeah, I'm the best DM in podcasting. I think you're really going to enjoy Join the Party. Perfect. We're currently on our third campaign, which is a pirate story set in a world of Ooh. plant and bug people, which has been really, really nice. fun to run. 
Well, that sounds wonderful. Um, let's see. I want to say thank you to our researcher, Alex, without whom we wouldn't be able to make this show. Thank you to our guest, Eric, uh, without whom we wouldn't have been able to make this episode. Thank you to our editor, Rachel. Did I already say that one? No. Nope. Our researcher, Alex. Anyway, said Alex. These are the people we couldn't make the show without. <laughs> uh, and thank you to you for listening. We could make the show without you. But why? Um, I also want to say thank you to Teresa for Aww, being here with me. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Eric. Uh, who else do we thank? We always thank Brent Brentofloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. We thank Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you would love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. And as always, we are taking listener submissions and topics of questions of all sorts of things. You can reach us, schmannerscast at gmail.com, and make sure you say hi to Alex because she reads every one. And that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.